May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you were me, which one of those readings would you preach on? Would you preach on Jeremiah? Angry Jeremiah. Look at you, people of God. You've been brought into this beautiful land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that God gave to you, and you've defiled it. You've done something none of the other nations around you would ever dream of. You've forsaken your God. This is unheard of. Or would you preach on the reading from Hebrews? There's a lot of great little nuggets in there, right? About hospitality, about marital faithfulness, about caring for one another. There's lots of good little nuggets in there. But that's what they are, isn't it? They're, they're little nuggets. Or would you preach on the gospel reading from Luke? Jesus tells this great parable about a banquet. See, I don't think I can say it any better than Jesus did, so I'll just let him have the last word on that. I'm going to talk about something else altogether. <laughs> because in our way of doing things, following the lectionary, we get these little bits of readings, right? And we, we dip into little parts of the Bible. We take a close-up look at one reading. But sometimes we can miss the whole big picture. So let's zoom back, zoom way out, and let's think about the whole narrative arc of Scripture. Because it is telling one big story from beginning to end. Scripture is so central to what we do in our worship, right? We read four readings every Sunday. It's all through our prayers. Do you know that greeting, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all? That's straight out of Paul's letters. That's straight out of Scripture. The blessings that we say at the end of the service, also straight out of Scripture. And almost everything along the way has echoes of words from Scripture. It's foundational to what we believe and what we do. So it's worth stepping back every now and then and saying, so what is this Bible that is so central to our faith? What is it and what do we do with it? Well, there have been many answers to that question throughout the ages. And one of them that I heard when I was a little younger was the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. It doesn't quite work for me if we were to take the Bible as an instruction book. Our life would look very different than it does now, wouldn't it? Think of some of your favorite uh, laws in the Bible, like um, the one about not blending fabrics, right? Cotton and polyester do not go together. Or... Um, the one about not, uh, not boiling a goat uh, in its mother's milk. These are important things, right? These are very important instructions for us before we leave Earth and get on to 
whatever is next, as if that's the most important thing. Or there's those places where the Bible contradicts itself. My favorite is in Proverbs, where it says uh, in one verse, don't answer a fool, you'll be wasting your time. In the very next verse, it says, answer a fool, set them straight, they need to be straightened out. So which one is it? Answer them or not? So maybe the Bible as basic instructions before leaving Earth doesn't quite work. If you remember back to last week, if you were here with us, we were talking about the Sabbath. And there's great debate among Jewish rabbis, among Christians throughout the ages. How do we honor the Sabbath? We're told we're not to work on the Sabbath, but what counts as work? So anytime we come to Scripture, we have all sorts of questions. How do we live this here and now? How does this make sense in the life we're living? It takes some work. It takes some wisdom. So the Bible isn't just guidance for good living, although it has that. Of course, in the Hebrews reading, there's all those lovely little nuggets about good living. Stay faithful to your spouse. That's a good idea, right? Offer hospitality to strangers. This is a good thing. But it's so much more than that. It's more than just good ideas. It's more than just good advice. It's more than just helpful instructions for good living. More than anything, the Bible is a story. It's a grand narrative of what God is doing in the world. It starts in the beginning with creation. And like any good story, it has a middle and an end. Very quickly in the middle, we get the crisis, right? We call it the fall. We have two chapters in the beginning of Genesis that talk about creation. Then we have nine chapters in Genesis that talk about the fall. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was chaos. And God was hovering over the chaotic waters of creation and bringing order to it. Then we have the story of the descent back into chaos. Humanity is making such a mess of things that God will look at it. And this is the way the writer of Genesis puts it. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. That's not a very cheerful assessment of things, is it? It moves into chaos. That's the first, like, 11 chapters of the Bible. Then we have 1,178 chapters of the way God is going to redeem that. 1,178 chapters of redemption. N.T. Wright, the great Anglican Bible scholar and bishop, refers to scripture as a six-act play. So we have creation, fall, we have God working through Israel, we have the coming of Jesus, then we have the church, and we have the new creation or the renewed creation. And this is the six-act arc that the scriptural story tells us. We find ourselves in that fifth act, the time of the church, and it's the part of the play that isn't written yet, or it's not finished being written. We know how the whole story ends. We know that it will be good. We know that every tear will be wiped away. We know that God will dwell in the midst of us, will be our God, we will be God's children, 
We know how it ends. We know where it begins. We know the mess we get into. And then we're part of this big story about how God takes the mess and sets it right. We're sort of improvising. We have the story that came before. We know the theme. We know the melody. But now we're improvising our part. It's not laid out for us. We're figuring it out as we go, with the help of the Spirit. For 30 years, the Anglican Church has used the Revised Common Lectionary. If lectionary is a new word to you, uh, it comes from the Latin root lexio, which some of us know from lexio divina. It means reading. It just means reading. So a lectionary is a reading plan. And the Revised Common Lectionary was made about 30 years ago as a revision of the Roman Catholic lectionary, because as we all know, the Catholics did everything pretty good in the beginning, and we just wanted to improve a little bit on it. I think that's more or less how church history works, right? <laughs> Common, because many different denominations use it. Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, United Church, even some Baptists <laughs> sign on. Are you laughing about the Baptist, Matt? <laughs> have signed on to use this reading plan. So you can go to churches all around the world in these traditions and you get the same readings every Sunday, which is pretty cool to think that we're praying with the same scripture all together around the world across denominations. But I have a few little problems with the Revised Common Lectionary. Like when we have Sundays like today, would we have that reading from Jeremiah and then Hebrews and then the Luke and I'm torn in three or four different directions about what do we do with these readings. Sometimes they pair the readings so beautifully, so brilliantly, and I think, oh, yes, that's delicious. But then there's Sundays like this one. There's, there's also a way, because we're dipping in and out, and the lectionary follows the church year from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany and Lent and Easter and Pentecost, and that's great but we're really dipping into little bits of scripture here and there, and we, we don't always see the big story from beginning to end. So it's hard to know where to hang these different readings within the story. And it's especially true with the readings from, uh, from the Hebrew scriptures, what we commonly call the Old Testament. We often don't know where those fit in the bigger story. Um, so that's, that's one way the Revised Common Lectionary is imperfect, as every lectionary is. But there's a new lectionary out there. It's called the Narrative Lectionary. It's been around for about 10 years. It came out of Luther Seminary in Minnesota. The kind of Lutherans we're in full communion with, if that matters to you. Lutherans and Anglicans in North America uh, have said, you know, we completely recognize each other's ministries. We are sister churches. Let's do stuff together. So this is coming out of that tradition, these, this sister church of ours. And the narrative lectionary, this is the brilliance of it, is very pragmatic. Instead of starting in Advent, beginning of December, end of November, when the church year starts, it starts in September, when the real year starts, right? 
This is really when time starts for us, especially those of us who have kids in school, right? We're back from holidays. The program year of the church starts in September. So it starts in September and moves to Pentecost at the end of May. And we follow the story of scripture in the narrative form. So we start with creation. We start with the calling of Israel. In Advent, we get into the prophets who talk about longing and hope, which are those great Advent themes. Then from Christmas to Easter, we get Jesus. And this year, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. So we'll be hearing this, this teaching of Jesus from Christmas to Easter. And then after Easter, we get into the period of the early church. So we hear stuff from Acts and from Paul's letters. And we'll see this whole narrative work. God bless our archbishop. He has given us his blessing to follow this lectionary for a one-year trial. It's, uh, we might be the only church in the diocese uh, using it. It's a... It's something we're trying out, but I think it'll give us that overarching story of Scripture. Give us some of that context uh, for all of these readings and see what God is doing in the long view. Because the big story is a beautiful story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of God's love in action in the world. And we get to find our place in it. Because that story is being written, and it's being written in our lives, in our church, in our world today. And we get to be God's co-workers in writing it. Because God still speaks today. Scripture is alive and speaks to us, shapes us. Which is why when we have our readings, we respond, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.